the show is here. Yo, our mission is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the day. This is the hour. Together, you know we've got the power. Drop the silos. We're all the same team. Patients, docs, nurses, tech, and marketing. How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we've tried. So join us now. Join the revolution. Digital health is the evolution. Status quo, more like status, no. Yeah, this is the healthcare rap. Y'all, come on, let's go. Welcome to the healthcare rap, where we are ushering in the future of healthcare and the status quo no longer exists where we are challenging assumptions about marketing and technology, and we check yesterday's thinking at the door. Where truth drops like an atom bomb, and knowledge flows like Niagara Falls. Each week we challenge assumptions that have been holding back healthcare marketing, and explain how we can do better. Join us. This is the Healthcare Wrap. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jared Johnson, ready to share some more provocative thinking for healthcare innovators and digital teams. Here on the Healthcare Wrap, we believe that the healthcare experience has to change and we're trying to do something about it. We can either stand back and let it take another 50 years or we can jump in right now. And I think you know how we roll. We're not going to coast in neutral. We're hitting the gas. Come be a part of it. Each week we talk about the topics that you need to know about and act on to be part of the digital transformation movement. We share tips on shifting the way that healthcare is experienced digitally and the backstage strategies for marketing, operations, and digital teams to drop the silos and stay ahead of the curve. We recently passed 160 episodes and three years on the air. We're now in season five, which is our quest to understand whether it's even possible to provide the healthcare experience that consumers desire. So here's what's going to go down today. We have the flavor of the week about finding a better way to do healthcare marketing. How do we engage leaders who still think that consumers think, act, and buy in the same ways that they used to? I'll talk about that. Then Stefan Behrens, CEO and co-founder of Giant, is in the house to share some provocative thinking about how automation and AI fill gaps in the healthcare customer experience. This episode is jam-packed and we have a lot to share along the way. It's time to dive right in. You ready? Let's go. of the week. There has to be a better way to do healthcare marketing. The world has evolved and we have to evolve too. Once that spark has lit up in your mind, it's hard to extinguish it. But not everyone feels the same way. I still hear stories about marketing leaders who have absolutely no clue how to provide anything that consumers actually want. They have no idea how to get people to care about their brand. They have no idea how to create an experience that will lead to word of mouth or engage digitally or drive behaviors. They don't know how to create content that actually makes people healthier. In short, they don't understand how consumers in 2021 think, act, and buy. I still hear stories. I know of a colleague who had a phenomenal idea for a content series that would be amazing, useful, memorable brand marketing. After presenting to their boss, they were told it was a fine idea, but they would need to do it on their own time and they wouldn't get any budget for it. Wait, what? Marketing leaders, take note. CMOs, VPs, directors, I'm talking to you. You hire a lot of smart people. You ask them for ideas. You ask them to manage platforms. You ask them to keep their fingers on the pulse of the healthcare consumer. Then when they tell you exactly what to do to engage those consumers, you tell them, nah, never mind. We'll just stick with the status quo. Thanks for playing. Enough already. Even before COVID, buying habits were changing. There was a digital pivot happening. And that pivot is permanent, by the way. 
The biggest thing that marketing leaders are missing is that for the most part, people don't want healthcare services. So stop approaching them as if they do. You have to give them a reason to care about your brand. You want some real provocative thinking? You'll actually generate more business by trying to help people stay healthy. You do that by creating a relationship with consumers that doesn't just exist during the time that they're seeing a doctor. And you do that by turning your digital consumer experience into your competitive advantage. We have to change this conversation. We have to create a community of our fellow change agents who know that there's a better way to do this. The future of healthcare marketing depends on it. And that's the flavor of the Week. Hey, listeners, I hope you're ready for a deep dive into some really exciting topics here. We've got Stefan Behrens in the house. Stefan is the CEO and co-founder of Giant and uh, very excited to have him with us today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Fantastic to be on the show. Thanks, Jared. Yeah. You know what? It's funny when we hear things that we're going to get into AI, we're going to get into automation and some just the exciting state of new digital tools, I feel like, things that just are evolving very quickly. And so I'm very interested to hear that. But I want to give listeners a chance to get to know you a little bit better. You mentioned right before we got on the air that you are not a native speaker. So can you give us a little bit about where you're from, your origin story, and tell us a little bit more about yourself? (laughs) Yeah, happy to. So I grew up in Germany, and uh, I've only moved to the U.S. in, in 2016, pretty much to start Giant. Before that, I ran two other companies in the consumer space, video games and uh, direct-to-consumer e-commerce. And those were great experiences to learn how consumers want to interact with technology and, and, and build community. And at some point after we sold those two companies, we needed to work on like a real problem in the world. And to me, that was healthcare. Healthcare is lagging behind on so many aspects in terms of its user experience. Let's be honest, the the healthcare experience pretty much across the world probably sucks for patients and and also is, is terrible for the people who work in healthcare. So that was the problem I wanted to sink my teeth into. And, and, and that's why we built Giant. Nice. You know, like I said, the mission itself is what I love to hear. The fact that this didn't just start as, hey, we have some tech and we're going to, we have a hammer and we're trying to find a nail, you know, like, like that kind of uh, phrase, because there are, there's, there's tech out there that is, that already exists and people are just trying to find ways to use it. But this was kind of starting as a gap you saw, an opportunity to solve a problem and then you built the solution. And I, I love the thought of how that came about. As we get into that, let, let's start with, uh, you know, let's give people something something fun to think about. What's the latest awesome thing you've heard about in your life? Something you've come across. It doesn't have to be healthcare related, uh, but just uh, the latest awesome thing. It happens to be healthcare related in this specific case. I just uh, met a fellow entrepreneur here in Seattle yesterday, and his company is, is actually building an AI model that is so efficient that it can run on your phone. And what it does, it's using the phone camera pointed at your face to take accurate vitals, so heart rate and blood pressure. And they do that by focusing on these like tiny fluctuations in the color of your skin driven by blood flow as your heart beats. And with these tiny, tiny color fluctuations, the you know, cell phone cameras are so good now that you can actually derive an electrocardiogram from that and that measures heart rate and also estimates blood pressure with pretty high accuracy. So I, I thought that was just like way cool because you... You can actually have a blood pressure cuff in your pocket without installing any additional software and, and just using your camera. 
and looking at it for 20 seconds that I thought that was pretty amazing. That is, that's pretty amazing. It's, it's crazy to hear just how things are coming along. And I imagine like myself, you know, so I just got a new phone a couple months ago and it turned out to be one of the newer iPhone 12s. Uh, so the 12 Pro Max, right. And it's got, mm-hmm crazy lighting on it. It's got LiDAR on it. It's got things I don't even know how to use very well yet, but very clearly there are app developers who understand that and know how to use that. And I love seeing how much growth is happening in the health and healthcare and wellness space with those tools. Yeah, you're right. Like there's so much going on there. It's it's great. It's great to hear that that kind of thing that's, that's happening. And especially because it sounds like it's hopefully not too complicated, you know, point and click. It's really just holding the camera in your face for, for about 20 seconds. <laughs> and, and that's all it takes. Like you don't need to position it in, in any special way. Obviously, I mean, they're, they're still validating and, and, and going for clinical trials to make sure that the measurements are accurate. But I think the potential is is fantastic simply because, you know, now we have all these movements towards hospital at home, getting patients to, to stay better and get better at home rather than in, in the hospital itself. And I think if we can make that easier with using technology they already have at home rather than having to send them a big um, RPM kit or, or a ton of new devices they have to connect to Bluetooth and set up, I think that's a step in the right direction. And just, you know, if you think of your, your regular telemedicine visit being augmented, but were you looking at the camera anyway, being augmented by actually taking, you know, hard measurements that the physician or, or the clinician on the other end can use. I think that's awesome. Yeah, it is. This is just a continual evolution and I don't see it stopping or even slowing down anytime soon. And I think that's that's one of the great things to hear about new tools like this. They're just going to keep getting refined and keep getting improved. And yeah, we're, we're going to see a big revolution. And, and funny you mentioned that because that has to do a lot with the parts of patient engagement that you and I are going to focus on today in terms of how, how the patient experience I think, you know, you know, the theme of, of the season on the podcast is whether we can even provide the experience that consumers are asking for. And it is one of those questions that's, it's a little tongue in cheek, but it's not totally tongue in cheek. Like it is meant to get us to think about things in a different light. And I'd love to hear just kind of starting off where you see the patient experience happening in general? Like what's the status of it? It's a big term. We hear it differently from a lot of different types, you know, depending on where you are in the care system. If you're a clinician, you're going to think of patient engagement and the patient experience in a slightly different way than maybe someone who's working on one of the digital health tools that they are using. How would you even describe the patient experience to begin with? Yeah. So I think the status quo in in a lot of health systems and across the country right now is still that you have to pick up the phone and talk to someone on on the phone, probably for 10 or 15 minutes to to try and get an appointment. Those phone lines are staffed between nine and five. (laughs) So if you have something Saturday night and you're trying to figure out what to do about it, you're often in a pretty tricky spot. You have to like make decisions yourself as to whether you get in the car and drive to the ED or to the nearest urgent care or whether this can wait until until Monday morning. And when you call Monday morning, you'll also find that that's when all people call. <laughs> so phone lines are busy uh, full times and we actually talk to our, our customers and they experience a lot of dropped calls, right? So 50, 60% of, of calls may drop during those peak hours because patients are not patient. And I think... As long as we're still in this state, kind of what the pizza delivery industry used to be in like 30 years ago, where you have to pick up the phone and, and, and call for service, that's no longer what, what consumers expect. These days, you go on an app, you, you press a few buttons, and then you can see where the pizza is in the making. 
you can see that it's being prepared. It's in the oven. It came out of the oven. The delivery guy is, is, has received the pizza and you have a little icon on the screen that shows you where they are en route to your, to your delivery. And then you compare that to the healthcare experience where in many ways you either fill a form and, and hope for the best that somebody calls you back for an appointment or you have to spend you know, 45 minutes on the phone. And it's just, uh, it's no longer meeting consumer expectations. And I think one of our customers put it well, <laughs> the, the toothpaste is out of the tube and it's really hard to get it back. Last year, um, a, lot of, uh, a lot of consumers and patients got a, a taste of what a digital first experience in healthcare looks like because they were forced to stay home and, and use telemedicine because they could, it wasn't safe to come in. And I think it's going to be impossible for them to go back. Like that idea of we'll just pretend last year never happened and, and we're going to focus on brick and mortar and bringing patients back into the clinic. I think that's that's just no longer viable. Yeah, I agree. It's almost like going back to like pre-Amazon Prime. Like we, we can't, <laughs> exactly. now, that we, now that we know that's a thing, you can't go back and, and forget about it. Like you can't just, uh, you know, remember and be okay with the world before two-day shipping. And, and it's funny, you know, we've had guests on who have even compared like that evolution of, you know, two-day shipping when, when Prime first came out, for instance, that was a revolution. And now two days seems really slow. <laughs> like they've, <laughs> You're right. They've iterated themselves. <laughs> and so like they in, in Seattle, I think they're testing new models where you have like overnight delivery. So you'll have your package. You you go on on, on Amazon at whatever, 8 p.m. and you'll have your package by 4 a.m. in the morning, the same, <laughs> same day. So it's it's crazy. Yeah. I think the same is true for healthcare. Another example here, I think when is the last time you had a paper ticket, you know, when you went to the airport? Like 30 years ago, you used to go to a travel agency, sit in front of someone, and they would write either by hand or print a paper ticket right, that you would then take to the airport to check in. <laughs> and, and that's the reality of a lot of healthcare. There's still a lot of paper-based forms that you need to fill. You carry those from one place to the next place, and, and then they get typed in by some poor person behind, behind the desk to make sure it's in the electronic medical record. It's still very arcane. And fax machines are being used to exchange information between between providers. That that doesn't make any sense. Hey, this is Scott Burgess from Healthcare 360, the fair and balanced healthcare podcast, exploring everything you wish you knew about healthcare, but don't. Join us weekly in an open, transparent conversation with some of the biggest names in the healthcare business surrounding this one question and one question only. Had you known there were other options to exhaust and explore before you travel down the traditional healthcare route, how would you weigh those options against what you think healthcare and medicine really is? For more information about Healthcare 360 and how together we can help transform lives, visit scotteburgess.com, subscribe to our YouTube channel, or follow us anywhere you enjoy listening. See you there. In recent years, this conversation that we're having right now, I think it's come more to the forefront. And the question has come to healthcare administrators and to clinicians of, okay, so why are we still here? <laughs> like, why aren't we in a different place? Why aren't we in a, in a better place now? These tools are available. We're using them in every other aspect of our life. And I think you know sometimes th that these words rarely come out in those conversations, but I think it's only because people don't know that this is actually how they're feeling about it. To me, if you look really deeply, the words that come to mind from an administrator's standpoint is risky, unsafe, unproven. You know, they, they just want to go back. They just say, look, like this is, 
it's always been a challenge. We just need to accept this as an obstacle, you know, like a sunk cost. Like we just need to be okay with that. And that's the approach that we've had for all these years. And now we have consumers, we have, you know, innovators who are coming in and saying, uh, no, actually we, we can improve part of this. And I think that's, Seeing the conversation itself evolve is, is one thing that's very exciting to me. I'm really curious from like from the administrative side, I think administrators would say, yeah, like that just sounds like there's an administrative burden. And it's like, no, these tools are actually here to relieve that burden. I mean, is, is, is that how you see it? Like, are there, do digital tools, are you seeing them actually reduce administrative burden? And if so, how are they doing that? We're seeing that in, indeed. But I can also understand that the people working in healthcare, they're all overloaded. Last year was a death march, right? You have all this burnout and, and they've been asked to do all these things on top of their already busy schedules. And so every time you're introducing a new tool, even if it's meant to help, they have to change the way they do things. And that means they need to get used to something new. And maybe there's an initial period where they have to go through some training or they have to learn how to use a new system. And that just adds one more thing to their already overflowing plates. So I, I totally understand the, the perspective of the, of the clinicians and, and the people in, in the care delivery process where they're saying, yeah, I know you mean to help, but I'm so busy. I, I don't have time to improve. But I think the way out of that is to pick one small thing, <laughs> like pick one use case. I don't know. How do we get more patients to come back for mammograms, right? Because that makes sense. Pick that one use case and then execute against that so that you can show results and build trust inside the organization that a new process or a digital tool will actually make something better. And then use that as the success story that you can build around and say, okay, now that we've tackled mammograms, next let's tackle colonoscopies. And after that, we'll, we'll see if we can make the intake process better. And, and you know, so you build from these like small use cases into a larger success story, rather than trying to say, we're going to completely transform the digital patient experience from start to finish. And it's going to be a massive transformation because that's going to take, you know, a year or two to implement and involve so many moving pieces that it's just too much of a burden for a lot of systems to carry on top of the day-to-day the -day work that they're already doing and the crisis and fires they have to to address and put out. Yeah, you know what? I can see that because it can very quickly turn into a, it's like they open the door and, you know, the floodwaters just start coming in and pretty soon they do feel like they're underwater when they start saying, okay, well, what if we do change these parts that we've always just assumed are obstacles that we can't get around? And if you start saying, well, maybe we can change this one, then you start seeing all the things that need to change or that there, there really are opportunities to innovate them. And it can be overwhelming. Absolutely. It does feel like, I, I like that thought of just starting with one. I mean, this very quickly turns into a conversation about boiling the ocean. And that's where people stop, end up, uh, people end up uh, not even going any direction at all because they're like, well, I can't go all directions at once. So I'm just not going to do anything like that. Just that's overwhelming, the thought itself. And I, I think one of the promises of, you know, we can even pick like, you know, a couple of categories of tools like, like automation and AI tools where those are, you know, my understanding is that there are a lot of them. It can be overwhelming to even start to try to, you know, understand all the use cases. And so maybe that's part of this conversation, you know, a very real part, which is how do you, as a, if you are a healthcare executive, an administrator or a clinician who's charged with with improving operations within their hospital or with their health system that you know they're they're actively trying to reduce costs they are trying to reduce that administrative burden how do they even inform themselves about 
like automation tools that are available? That's a tough challenge. I mean, it's such a noisy environment. You have, I don't know, a thousand digital health startups that are all using the same language to talk about something they do. It's all about patient engagement and efficiencies and the care delivery. And it's really hard for them to kind of pick out which solutions are worth spending any time on, which partners are worth betting on because they have limited available resources and they they can't afford to, to misplace a bet right when they're working with with a partner so i think one one element comes down to who are the people you trust and what we found is it's often not some new company or new vendor that you've never heard about but it's the people that are also in your industry that you're connected with right so health systems like to buy what other health systems have bought before so <laughs> Focus on getting recommendations from your peers, and there are a lot of organizations, Leadership Institute, Avia, and and others that are helping health systems kind of understand what is working and what has delivered successfully for them. And then that speeds up adoption and builds confidence in betting and investing resources in these solutions. So for us, for example, you know, getting to customer number one and then customer number two was actually really, really hard because there's so much trust building that needs to happen before you get somebody to commit. But now we're, we're live with over 30 health systems and it's a different story. And we can easily make connections to customers that are using parts of our technology and the results they've seen. And, and you, can, you can have a completely different experience because you can talk to someone who's been in your shoes or who is in your shoes and understands the problems and challenges you face. And so use that um, as part of the, the process, network with your peers and other systems and figure out what they're doing. And, and that's probably a good starting point. That's interesting. So you mentioned kind of like there's been an evolution of, I think, the understanding of the problem that you're trying to solve as you went from those first couple of customers to expanding to more health systems. Can we dig into that for a minute? Because I feel like that's mm-hmm. that can help people, that can help our listeners really understand some opportunities that they might be able to innovate in the same way. Yeah, so for example, one of the, core use cases in the patient engagement space that we're addressing is that of the the digital front door. So the first step in any patient journey, when they come to your website or they come to the patient portal and they're trying to solve the problem. And the challenge is that you have to make assumptions about what kind of problems they're trying to solve. And initially, when we deployed with our first customer, we were making assumptions about what it is that patients would bring to us and what kind of questions they would would ask. So that's kind of the product we built in, in the first release. But we quickly learned there's a ton of other questions that patients are bringing to this when, when you make it, make it available to them. So what we do is we deploy a digital assistant to the website that just asks a simple question at the beginning, which is, how can we help you today? Right? And initially, we thought, well, it's always going to be related to, I, I need to get care. I have a symptom that I'm, trying, you know, that I'm concerned about and trying to figure out where to go. And the reality is that the, the number of in, in, you know, patient intents and patient questions is, is much, much wider. Things like, I want to send flowers to someone who is in the hospital. Where can I park? I need to pay my bill and I'm trying to figure out how to get a payment plan established, right? There's a lot of different concerns or questions that patients are bringing. And we've used kind of this input from patients with their first couple of partners to really build out the capability to address many more of these questions than we were initially setting out to do. Right. So we've now seen over 17 million patient interactions and utterances that we use to train our AI model and a conversational AI model to to be able to respond to those. And there's a lot of learning involved. And that's just part of the process. I think you need to accept that version one that you launch may be useful and actually make the situation better for patients. But there's a lot of learning involved and every health system is a little bit different. 
So you want to go live as quickly as possible and then learn and then improve rather than trying to like make it perfect. So don't let perfect get in the way of good and then use the data that you generate from patients using these new tools to optimize and increase the value you're getting out of them for your system. Oh, that's a great example. Yeah, like, and that that starts with a single use case, but look how much that expands to other potential usages of tools, like you're saying, like a digital assistant. Where can this go? I guess, you know, if we start to reimagine this and we start saying, you know, we start adding up all these use cases for how we can deploy something like a digital assistant and start filling in some of these gaps in patient engagement. Where can this go? Like, what kind of what's the ceiling? Or, or like, what's the goal, say, like, uh, you know, five years or even like 10 years from now? If we see things adopted the way that we hope, I guess, what difference can it make? We've had one North Star from the very beginning when we set out. And that, that was actually an insight from talking to, you know, a lot of physicians about their experience. And most of them tell us that actually from their circle of friends and family members, they get a lot of texts, right? So if you're a physician, you're probably getting at least one text a week from someone who has whose, whose child is sick or who has a, a medically related question. And they're just using you as, as the first step to, to understand what they need to be doing or what, you know, what the best way to react to it is because you're the expert. And that conversation, because it's family members and friends, is usually very casual. It's not your typical disclaimer-laden <laughs> health system patient portal interaction. It's a casual text message that says, hey, this is what's happening. Can you help me out? And then you typically have a bit of question and answer game that goes back and forth over text. And then, okay, this is the next step. And I think this is the archetype of what we're trying to build. And we have a long way to go to get there, but it should be informal. It should know you. It should remember things about you that you have kind of shared before because you're familiar. We know your history and it should be non-threatening and take some of the anxiety out of the process. Healthcare can be scary. So if you can have something that is empathetic and that feels like chatting with a friend who happens to be a doctor, that's the kind of experience I think that, that patients are looking for. And if you take it like to a level where not everyone has a doctor friend, but if I can take it to a level where I have a digital assistant that can scale to millions of patients and be that doctor friend, right, to be a guide on your side to help you navigate some of the, the most intense challenges we will have in our lives, I think that's the vision for, for 10 years from now, where you have a personalized digital doctor friend <laughs> that you have access to 24-7 and that can coach you and nudge you and help you through all of the all of life's difficulties in relate as it relates to healthcare. And with that, you can then say, okay, I'm actually going to be automating and, and orchestrating a large chunk of the primary care experience and then bring in actual human doctors and human nurses and nutrition coaches and mental health coaches as and when needed. But I can keep a large chunk of the of my population just running and humming in a completely automated model that bends the cost curve to a level we haven't seen before. So I think that's the vision that, that we're working towards. Well, you know what I like, I think the most about that vision is that it is tempered with, with some very like pragmatic wisdom. There's a reality check to it also. You know, you, you didn't say, hey, in a year from now, we're going to achieve this and everyone's going to understand how to adopt it. Like, I, it sounds like, like you're very realistic about the adoption challenges to that. And yet that still remains your North Star. I think that's that's a credit to you and to the team you're building and to the the tool itself. You know, all of the the ways that it can that together 
we can still make incremental improvements along the way. And I do, I expect us to see more progress in this area. I love the thought of, of just being uh, pragmatic about it. It's probably just the easiest way to say it, which kind of leads me to, to my final question for you, which is uh, in terms of a, a call to action, what's one tactical step that, that leaders and administrators can take in this direction? The best tactical step would be to just pick one thing, like one small thing, one small use case that you think will move the needle for a particular challenge or problem you face, right? Last year has turned the world upside down for a lot of health systems, put a lot of them into financial trouble as well because they're dependent on on volume and elective procedures to pay the bills. And so a lot of them are wondering, okay, how can I bring patients back? How can I bring volume back? So start with one thing, pick whatever. I mentioned this example before, pick mammograms, all right? How do I get more of my patients to come back and get their mammograms? Right. So start with that and then just get going, get used to going in like small increments, like the way you you eat an elephant is in small, tiny slices that you can chew and swallow. So I think it's really just about picking the, the next small step that you have resources for and that you can commit to and where you can get results in a couple of weeks and then build from there. I'm sure if you if you got people together, they would easily come up with, I don't know, five or 10 ideas in like five minutes on where you could start. And then just figure out how to address and attack that one one case. And don't try to build a perfect solution that is fully integrated into the EMR and and that is that that you know because that will just slow things down. Pick one thing and be super pragmatic about it. Think of it as an MVP and then go from there. Oh, I love that. In fact, the thought just occurred to me when you said that. You know, imagine what you can come up with just in like five minutes. I wonder what can happen if every health system and hospital and provider org organization out there just started with that like five minutes once a week. And it's a, it's a brainstorm either on your own or together as a team, but then there's a way to come back and even just run through those ideas. And people have, you know, a minute to just say, Hey, here's, here's the one thing this week. I can only imagine how that would change our culture within healthcare and start to change the conversation itself. So I love that thought. Uh, Stefan, this has been uh, so fun. How can listeners get a hold of you if they want to reach out to you? Yeah, so you can email me at any time. It's uh, Stefan, S-T-E-F-A-N at giant.com or just reach out on LinkedIn. You'll find me. Fantastic. It's been a pleasure. Good luck with everything you're doing. Hope to keep in touch. And we'd love to have you back uh, because there's going to be plenty more to talk about along this journey. Uh, In the meantime, stay safe, stay well, and thanks for giving us a few minutes of your time. Thank you. Likewise, Jared. Always a pleasure. Ed Marks here with Digital Voices, the only podcast for chief digital officers across all of healthcare and life sciences. Digital Voices is about the voice of the patient, the provider, the payer, pharma, big tech, retail, public health, really any part of the healthcare and life sciences ecosystem, that's the digital voice we wanna capture as we learn and break barriers across the entire spectrum. Join us weekly as we drop our pod. Thanks to Stefan and thank you for listening. We hope you found some value in this conversation. And if you did, this is so important. Would you please subscribe and tell your friends and colleagues about this podcast? In fact, if you want to do even better than that, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Healthcare Wrap is a member of the Shift.Health Content Network. If you enjoyed this podcast, you're going to love the other shows we have there, the Shift.Health Content Network. And don't forget to subscribe to the Shift.Health YouTube channel featuring season two of Now What? Go check it out at Shift.Health. It's all free and available on demand. Until next time, keep marketing forward. Thanks.
and that's a wrap. 